Now we have the pleasure of hearing my little brother Daniel come speak to us, speak God's little word. Little big brother. Little, little big, big brother. Right. And, uh, and I, I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm so proud of him, and I know our, our family is, and, and I'm really looking forward to what God has been uh, laying on his heart to uh, share with us this morning. So uh, I'm going to pray for him. Daniel, if you want to come get ready, I'm going to pray for you, and, and uh, he will um, get ready to go. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, we thank you for the gospel, Lord, that, um, God, that changes us, God, that, that we um, are sinful, sinful men and sinful women, God, and, and your, your great grace, God, comes into our lives, not because of anything good we've done, but because of your son, Jesus. And, God, because of that, um, because of that, any of us can, can do what you call us to do, Lord, and and we can't do it on our own power. So I pray you be with Daniel right now. God, just calm his nerves. Um, just help him to, to speak clearly to us, God. I pray that, that our hearts would just be open and receptive to what you have to say to us this morning, God. That we would um, just uh, see your glory, see you clearly this morning. See that you are the greatest thing this world has to offer us. And, uh, God, that we would just respond to your word this morning. We love you and we thank you. In the great name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chris. Uh, like you said, I'm his brother, Chris, or Daniel Castor. Sorry about that. I'm really nervous, by the way. Um, but uh, Jason's on vacation, and uh, I'm going to be speaking out of Hebrews 11 today. So if you guys want to go ahead and turn there, that's where we're going to be. Um, when I was younger, I was diagnosed with OCD and ADD, which didn't prove to be very fun for my family. Um, uh, so I've, I've got my notes here, and I'm going to try to stick with them pretty good. Somebody looking down a lot, because if I don't, I have no idea what I'm going to end up preaching on. This sermon could go anywhere. Um, so uh, when I was younger, uh, my parents coached me a lot. They'd tell me stuff like, uh, Daniel, we're going to this uh, dinner. We're going to do this. And you need to be well-behaved. You need to be quiet. Um, you need to do this. And I think that most kids get that kind of coaching from their parents. They, they get this kind of little checklist of rules. I want you to do this. I want to make sure you do not do this. So I, I thought that was kind of normal up until I was around 14. And I realized that uh, I got a little extra coaching. And my parents would... It would start to make me mad about that time because they'd tell me stuff like they'd say, Daniel, we're going to a wedding. All right. So and then they give me the normal checklist. This is someone's special day. It's not yours. Be quiet. Do well. Mom, why do you look so sad right now? OK. But anyways, they, they give me this checklist. And then my, my dad would look at me and he'd be he'd be sincere. And he'd say something like, Daniel, do you know, when the preacher says, does anybody have any objections to why these two should not be married? He'd look at me and, and he'd be serious. And he'd be like. Do not confess your undying love to the bride-to-be. I might even not know who we're going to marry, but apparently I was that random of a child that they had to, to warn me about that stuff. Uh, another thing, uh, if we'd go to a funeral, they'd, they'd give me that same set of rules, and then they'd say, Daniel, do not get in the coffin. What kind of kid gets in a coffin? I have no idea, and they probably had good reason to do that, um, but... Uh, you know, because uh, Kel Hogue was one of my friends and, and we were kind of the same type of kids. So uh, because of that, I, I almost thought it was normal at first. So if, if I got through a day without setting something on fire or causing anybody bodily harm, I thought it was a successful day. <laughs> And um, uh, what we're going to talk about today is pleasing our fathers. Uh, that was one thing that always made me happy is when the, at the end of the day or at the end of something, my dad would, he'd look at me and be like, son, I'm proud of you. You did a good job. Um, uh, you, you know, you, you listened to me. You did as you were instructed. So that's what we're going to be talking about today um, uh, and how that correlates to pleasing our heavenly father. Um, I just want you to think about uh, what, where's the first place a child looks when he does good at sports. Um, when he's, when he's, you know, up to bat and he hits, he gets a really good solid hit and he gets on base or, uh, when he's playing basketball and he scores, they look at their dad. 
I mean, that's the first place they look. They want to know that they've done well. They want to know that they please their father. And uh, I think that that's what we should uh, strive to do uh, as well for Christ. We need to look to him to see if we're pleasing him. So if you would turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, that's where I'm going to read out of. And I'm going to cheat and use this paper I printed off because I put bigger writing. Um, What is faith? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot yet see. God gave his approval to people in days of old because of their faith. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed and that God, or, and by God's command, what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. God accepted Abel's offering to show that he was a righteous man. And all Abel, or although Abel is long and dead, he still st- speaks to us because of his faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up into heaven without dying. Suddenly he disappeared because God took him. But before he was taken up, he was approved of as pleasing to God. And this is going to be our main verse we're focusing on. So, um, so you see, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that there is a God and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It was by faith that Noah built an ark to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about something that had never occurred before. By his faith, he condemned the rest of the world and was made right in God's sight. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave his home and go to another land. God would, um, God would give him his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, and even when he reached the land, God promised him he lived there by faith. He was like a foreigner living in a tent, and so did Isaac and Jacob, to whom God gave the same promise. Abraham did this because he was confidently confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that Sarah, together with Abraham, was able to have a child. Even though they were too old, a whole nation came from this one man, Abraham, who was too old to have any children. A nation with so many people that like the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore, there's no way to count them. All these faithful ones died without receiving what God had promised them, but they saw it all in the distance and they welcomed the promise and they agreed that they were no more than foreigners and nomads here on earth. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, uh, you're just a good and gracious Heavenly Father. Um, I pray that you just uh, use me today. God, speak through me. Um, if, if I ramble or whatever, God, I want you to speak clear. That's what I ask you to do. Um, you are our Heavenly Father, God, and I think uh, for all of us that have been saved, that's our desire is to please you. So I pray that you show us today uh, through your word how we need to do that. In your name I pray, amen. All right, um, verse 6 is going to be our main, main verse that we're starting with, so I'm going to read that again. And that is, so you see, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that there is a God and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. All right, so what I want to do first is I want to talk a little bit about what faith is. Uh, a lot of times we talk about faith as hope in, some, hope in something or trust in something. Um, and uh, trust in something based on it proving well throughout other stuff. So um, like a lot of us are going to Guatemala this next week. So we have to have uh, faith that we're going to get there. You know, uh, anybody who's ever been to an airport, like I hate airports, I can't stand it. But you have to have faith that they're going to take you where they say you're going to uh, take you. And also they're going to get your bags to the same place that they say they're going to take you. So um, that, that's something we're going to get to practice this next week. Um, you know, you buy stuff based on faith that you're going to have your job in the next few months. Uh, we just we live lives of faith, and I don't think we realize that all the time. But I want to know what biblical faith is. That's what I want to understand. And uh, how we're going to do that is we're going to look at three separate passages of Scripture, and we're just kind of kind of build up this definition of faith. 
Um, Romans 5, this isn't one of the passages we're going to look at, but it says that we're justified by faith. That's how we have our peace with God. Ephesians 2 says the same thing. And it says that, uh, so we can't boast in ourselves. We have no right to boast because it's all done with God. All right, so at the very first of this passage that I read earlier, Hebrews 11, the author takes a bit of time to tell us what he thinks faith is. So that's what we're going to do right now. Um, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, in, uh, Faith is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen, is the evidence of things that we cannot see. And what we're going to take from this is the words confident assurance. Um, confidence is trusting in something. And that's what I was talking about, the plane ride. Uh, you have confidence that you're going to go where you're wanting to go. Um, and then it, uh, it's trusting in something. So that's what we're going to call it. We're going to call it trusting. Um, assurance. What is our assurance based upon? Well, maybe it's a, a good airline that's had several successful flights and they get you where they, you know, you can tell based upon their past that they've proven theirself. Um, so when we apply, apply that biblically, our confident assurance is going to be in the word of God. Um, he's proven himself over and over again and, uh, and we can trust in him. So I'm going to call uh, confident assurance trusting in God's word. And that's how our definition of biblical faith is going to start. Um, The next thing we're going to do is we're going to look at James 2, verse 14. Um, Dear brothers and sisters, what's the use of saying you have faith if you don't prove it by your actions? That kind of faith can't save anyone. Suppose you see a brother or sister who needs food or clothing and you say, well, goodbye, God bless you, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What does that do? So you see, that isn't faith at all. It is dead and useless. Now, some of you may argue some people have faith and others have good deeds. I say, I can't see your faith if you don't have good deeds, but I will show you my faith through my good deeds. Do you still think it is enough to believe that there is one God? Well, even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. Fool, when will you ever learn that faith that does not result in good deeds is useless? All right. And what this passage shows us is that uh, action needs to prove what we say we believe. Um, he gives us a really good example there. He talks about a, uh, a person that a brother comes to his house and he's in need of food or clothing and he wants some help. And his, you know, his brother kind of just shuts the door in his faith and, and he, or face and he doesn't offer him anything. So we don't want to have that. We want to have a, a faith that has an action. So we want to we be responsive. Uh, when someone comes in need, we want to show our faith in it by fulfilling it and doing that work. And I was trying to think of other examples of doing this. When a wife says that he loves his husband, that needs to be proved in some way. So uh, ladies, pay attention. You need, to, you need to quote James 2 to your husband all the time. And you like say, hey, I would like to go out to dinner. And then he says, okay. Now, if he drives you to a place and you don't get out of the car, that's a bad sign. So if, if you pull up and you have to order out of a giant plastic clown head, that is not a good deal. And then you drive around, the guy gives you a spork to eat your meal with. That's not what we're talking about. We want it to be proven. So we want, we want, we're talking about JB's type of love here. He needs to take you to a nice place. He needs to dress up. He needs to try to figure out which fork he needs to eat what food with. So that's the kind of love we're talking about. It needs to be proved. Amen. There you go. So ladies, that one's for you. Just uh, mark that in your Bible, highlight it, and use it at, at will. Um, all right. So the next we're going to, or what we want to take from that is uh, faith is proved by actions. Um, you, uh, and that's, that's the whole point of James 2. We're going to look at some really cool men of faith that, that are great examples of this. And um, that's what we want to take. It's proved by actions, and I'm going to call that obedience. So, so far, our definition is going to be faith is confident assurance. We're going to call that trusting in God's word. Um, and that's always played out by obedience. Because if it's not, you don't really have faith in it. Um, the last portion we're going to get from Hebrews 11.33. And this is back from our original passage, but I didn't read uh, that far into it. And it says, 
Um, right, right in front of this one I'm about to read and uh, before or right after what I'd already read is just a bunch of more, more of examples of people of faith and how they, their faith was played out in their life. Um, so by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice. They received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from the dead. Um, Others trusted and were tortured, preferring to die rather than turn from God and be free. They placed their hope in the resurrection of a better life. Some were mocked and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in dungeons. Um, It goes on to say that some were killed by the sword. Um, It goes on to say that um, some were uh, sawed in half. So what we're going to take from this is is some people that had faith, they were rewarded for their faith. And and I think everybody is ultimately rewarded for their faith. But uh, it it went well for them. And other people, it didn't. um, And what we're going to take from that is true faith uh, isn't dependent on the circumstance or the consequence. So you, you don't need to be worrying about that. You just need to, to do what God says and not be worried about the, the, the outcome of stuff. So uh, what we have there, our, our whole definition is going to be biblical faith is the trusting of God's word that always causes obedience no matter what the outcome. And uh, I'll read that one more time. The trusting of God's word that always causes obedience no matter what the outcome. And I think that's a really good definition of faith to, to start with. And what we're going to do now uh, in this passage, it lifts a bunch of people of faith. So we're going to pick apart their life and see how they do that. Because uh, our, our verse, we want to know how to please God. That's, that's the whole point of, the, point of this sermon. And uh, that's, that's what we want to see if we can figure out because these people do well at it. The first story we're going to look at is the story of Abel, Cain and Abel. And uh, one of them is a faithful person. That's what our passage told us earlier. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. And um, so uh, Abel is faithful and Cain is not. So we're going to look at their lives and see what we can learn from them. Um, I'm going to read the story of Cain and Abel. It's a really short one. So, In the course of that time, Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. And Abel brought... Um, from the flock of his firstborn in their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, and Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is to rule over you, but you must rule over it. And we see uh, through the rest of the scripture that he doesn't take care of that, and uh, he ends up murdering his brother. Um, so what we're going to do now is we're going to compare their life side by side, looking at their faith and, uh, or the lack thereof. The first uh, one we're going to look at is Abel. Um, Cain and Abel, they both receive word from God. They both get instruction for God. Um, and, and I think we, uh, we all, we all at, at one time or another get that opportunity to get instruction from God. Um, and we know that they both get instruction from God because the, they both show up with an offering. So they had an idea that they needed to bring an offering. Um, and they, they show up, up at the same time at the same place. So we know that they've got word from God. Now, whether that was from their parents or God directly, I don't know. Um, I, I think it's from God directly because he comes straight up to Cain uh, afterwards and talks to him about it. Um, so what we see is they both receive word from God. Um, it, and then we want to know, was there trust there? And the only way we can tell this is, is, is it plays out by obedience. Uh, like I said earlier, James 2, that's an awesome passage. Did they believe what they said or did they believe what they said they believed based on their actions? So we're going to look at that. Um, Abel acts out of obedience. God's pleased with him. He blesses him. Um, he treats him well. It says that God showed favor to Abel. So we know, I think that he was blessed in two ways. He was blessed physically and spiritually. 
Um, there's, there's also physical obedience. He's where he needs to be. He's brought an offering. And there's also um, spiritual obedience. He where, he's where he needs to be spiritually. He comes with a right heart and a right mind. And he's ready to do business with God and worship God. So I, I think that's a really cool point that Abel is a worshiper. He's there to, to do what he's supposed to do. Um, Cain, on the other hand, we see that he receives word, of God, word from God. And he doesn't play out trust because he acts out of obligation. Um, he's there. He just he brings what he needs to bring. Uh, he, you know, he's there. He just shows up, but he doesn't. His heart's not in the right place. He doesn't. He's just trying to get it over with and out of the way. Um, and I, I think uh, I was trying to think of some examples of, of how we see that. And I, I started thinking about celebrities uh, and when they get caught in sin. Um, Bill Clinton, Kobe Bryant, Tiger Woods. It's almost like they uh, they get caught living in this way or whatever, and then it's a necessary evil for them to you know wear soft colors and get on TV and then make this big uh, apology just so they can you know try to get back on with their lives and and do something. So I think that's kind of how we we see it played out. Um, kids act out of obligation all the time. You know, you're like, did you whack that kid with that stick? And they're like, yeah. And you're like, well, tell him you're sorry, and then we'll forget about this. And they're like, sorry. You know, they it's just kind of this soft answer so they can go about their their time and i think that's what we see uh, happening in in cain's life um so was there reward um there was reward for abel he was rewarded physically and spiritually uh, god treated him well he took care of him uh, that's part of the reason that his brother got uh, jealous of him and killed him um so w- right there we see a physical reward from god we also see a spiritual reward from god righteousness and that's a really cool thing. We're going to talk about it a little more at the end. All these guys uh, that, that this passage talks about were called righteous men. And we're going to talk about what that means at the very end. Um, so what I, what I think we can get from that is um, they, they both received word from God. But Cain was a person who, um, let me see. Cain was a person who was, he was more religious. Um, I think that Cain's way produces a religious person who do, or has faith in themselves fulfilling an obligation. So his faith was in what he was doing, and his faith was, wasn't in uh, what God was going to do. Um, I think Abel is a man who worships God through obedience and faith, knowing that God's going to provide a sufficient sacrifice later. So that's what he does. He comes to do business with God, and that's what he's looking to. Um, so uh, Hebrews 11 verse 4 says that, that um, Abel's life, even though he's long dead, speaks to us because of his faith. And I think what it tells us is Abel is a worshiper. He's where he needed to be physically. He's where he needed to be spiritually. And I think that's what we can take from him. My second point is Noah. Uh, Noah is the story of God being fed up with mankind. And he was kind of, he was sick of everything. Um, it said God that was grieved that he even had made men. But he found favor in one man, Noah. And, and um, some of your Bibles might say he had grace on one man, Noah. So uh, th- that's a really cool point. And we're going to see, uh, we're going to pick this apart just like the, we did the last one. That's going to be our theme for the rest of this. So God's word, trust played out in obedience and then reward. So we're going to look at the life of Noah in that same way. Um, what was God's word to Noah? He told him that he was, he was uh, sad that he'd made man and that he wanted him to, uh, that he was going to destroy all life. And he wanted Noah to build a really huge ship, um, a floating zoo, so he could take all these animals and that God was going to restart everything with him. So that was God's word to Noah. Um, did Noah trust in God? I, I think that Noah is one of the best examples of trust played out by obedience in our whole Bible. And I'm going to give you um, some reasons why. Uh, the time that went into the project of building the ark, that, that was a lot of time, uh, it, decades and decades and decades. Um, I was reading one guy that said it's, it's between 75 to 100 years that this, this project is going on. So just the, the time that went into that, the time it took to build it, that was, you know, that was a long time. Um, 
the money that went into it. Um, Noah was a farmer. This was a really big ship. Uh, I was reading one commentator that said it was five times the size of the Mayflower. So uh, you're, you're talking about something that has a, a bunch of financial resources going into it, and it was Noah's money. So uh, I think that, that that's really cool. And, uh, that, that, that points to his heart that he dumped his time and his money into it, uh, his labor. He put a lot of work into it. He, um, you know, him and his three sons were the one who built the ark. And I think that's really cool that, that, it, uh, it, that he was willing to go through all that to work 75 years. Um, because of all these three things, he, in, he endured a bunch of mockery. Um, people made fun of him. They called him foolish. It's not really easy to f- hide a giant ship behind your house. So people are going to see that and they're going to call you out on it and say, dude, what's that thing in your backyard? And you can't call it a shed because it's, you know, 75 foot tall. They're not, they're not going to believe that. So you have to tell them what it is. And then uh, they're, they're going to call you foolish for 75 years, you know, or I, I mean, he was made fun of for a long time. Uh, he, was, he was the crazy family in town, uh, kind of like me and my family. Uh, everybody just looked at him really weird. So... Um, I think that if we want to see what's important to us in our lives, those are some really cool things we can look at. Where do we spend our uh, time, our money? Uh, what do we put our effort into? And what are we uh, willing to endure mockery for and, and still hold true to those? I think those are really cool things that if you want to examine your life and see what's important to you, you can look at those. Um, was Noah rewarded? Uh, Noah was rewarded. He was also called a righteous man. Again, we're going to talk about that a little bit at the end. Um, his family was taken care of. They were spared. His sons and him were blessed. God blesses them. He tells them to be fruitful and multiply. He takes care of them and he, uh, uh, he, he does well for them. Um, these two I didn't find in the Bible and I didn't find in any commentaries, but I think you'll agree with me. After the flood, I think it's cool that Noah's the richest man alive. Is that fair to say? I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, this, this one, all the, all the guys like this. He also had one of the four most beautiful women in the world as his wife. That's pretty cool truth, you know. God's good. He takes care of me. He blesses him with a good-looking wife and, and lots of money. So those are cool. Um, the next uh, man we're going to look at is Abraham. Abraham, of course, he's the, the father of the nation of Israel. And we see a bunch of really cool... Uh, he, he's just a, an outstanding man of faith. He has some ups and downs like we all do. But for the most part, he's, uh, he's an awesome man of faith. So I'm going to read a passage. Uh, this is from our passage about Abraham. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. He was like a foreigner living in a tent. And so did Isaac and Jacob to whom God gave the same promise. Abraham did this because he was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Okay, so what we're going to look at is the same things. We want to know what was God's word to Abraham. Um, God tells him that he needs to leave all that he knows. He needs to leave his home. Um, he tells him, I'm going to tell you where to go. But he doesn't really, you know, give him a lot of instruction. He just kind of gives him these few little bullet points. Um, he says, to wait upon me, I'll give you instruction what to do. And then he tells him, I'm going to make a great nation of you. And, and Abraham does well to do that. He responds to God in obedience by doing that. Um, I, I think uh, Abraham's trust was played out in God in many situations, in many ways that we get to see through the scriptures. Uh, my favorite being the sacrifice of his son, Isaac. Um, God asked him to do that. And that would be, uh, I, I can't even imagine what was going on in his mind when God called him to do that. But he responds in obedience by, uh, he's going to act it out. And uh, I think there's a bunch of really cool parallels we see there. Um, one being that uh, Isaac's his only son. Jesus was uh, God's only son. 
Um, we see that Isaac carried the wood of his own offering. Um, Jesus had to carry the wood that he was offered uh, upon. Um, there's just a bunch of really cool parallels. Uh, Isaac is a well-bodied young man, and he has to willingly lay down to give his life. Uh, the same, same thing with Jesus. So there, there's a bunch of really cool foreshadowings of what Christ is going to do on the cross for us in that story. And I think that's, uh, that's one of the coolest stories of Abraham's faith being played out. And it's also in the later part of his life, which I think is uh, significant. Um, so uh, in, in that passage earlier, it talks about uh, Abraham living by faith. And he was moving around from spot to spot, just kind of camping out. And I know some, some of you guys like camping out, but I don't know if you would like camping out your entire life. That would probably not, it'd probably lose some of, some of the fun factors. You'd run out of marshmallows and stuff like that really quick. So um, I think that uh, what I think is cool is how he says that he, uh, you know, he, he lived as a foreigner and he lived like he was in a tent, but he was, he was basing his hope upon the, the city God builds. And that's a really cool point because, uh, you know, living in a tent for, you know, this many years on earth isn't going to be so bad when you've got a mansion in heaven. I think that's a really cool point that he's just, you know, he, you know, he's sleeping on the ground, his back sore, whatever. Uh, and then, you know, but he's like, Hey, I, you know, that's not going to matter someday. It's going to, it's all going to pay off. So, um, that's cool that his, his, uh, his trust is in God there. Is Abraham rewarded? Um, Abraham was also called a righteous man. Uh, like I said, all three of these men were called righteous. He was the father of the nation of Israel and God blesses him to be a blessing. So uh, he, he takes care of Abraham well. I, I think that what we learned from these three men, Abel worshiped in faith. Um, he was where he needed to be physically and spiritually. So that's what we should uh, strive to do too. Um, Noah lived out his faith and obedience. He's the best example I could come up with of James 2. And then Abraham finishes strong by faith. And that's, I think those are all things we need to do. We need to worship in faith. We need to be obedient in faith. And we need to finish strong. We want to please our Heavenly Father. That's, that's what we want to do. All right. So um, now, now I'm going to ask, uh, how does this apply to us? So um, we're going to kind of go through the same exact thing, the same formula. And uh, I'm, I'm going to say, how do, how do we get word from God? We read our Bibles. We, we, uh, we pray. We listen to sermons. Um, uh, we, we spend time worshiping. We listen to conviction of the Holy Spirit. Uh, th- those things have to happen for us to receive word from God. Um, it has to be us uh, uh, opening up for communication to God. Um, and I think those are things we all need to do. We need to, we need to have a, a, a routine set up to where we read our Bible, to where we want to hear from God. We need to prepare our hearts in worship to hear from God and receive from God. Um, so I, I think that's what we need to, uh, to do to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. So there always have to be a word from God because that's where faith starts. Um, it, is there trust and obedience? Um, faith, faith without works is dead. That's what James 2 tells us. So uh, if we truly believe what God's communicating us or communicating to us through the word, that we're, there's going to be obedience. There is. Uh, if God tells us there's rewards for doing this, if he tells us there's salvation in this, then we need to follow by obedience uh, to partake in that. And I think that's, that's an that's a awesome thing that God's willing to reward us for our, our obedience. Um, rewards are given by God. God is a good God who rewards his children. That's just an awesome point. Um, that's, that's a really cool part of that verse six, that God uh, rewards those who sincerely seek him. And how cool is that for God to do that for us? Um, and I want you to understand, this isn't us making God reward us. Um, a, a lot, I've, I've heard an example, uh, the pin, God is a pinata, and we just have our stick and we're hitting him, waiting for good things. That's not what we're talking about. God is, God is good. This is like a, us being children 
And um, we're celebrating God's generosity by enjoying what he gives us. So I think that's a better way to look at it, to, to say, man, God, you are good because you've given me this. Like, I am righteous because of you. I'm clean because of you. And look at it as, as God giving gifts, um, not because he has to, but because he's good. And that's what he does. Um, so the last thing I want to ask is, how does this apply to the gospel? Um, the the gospel is an awesome thing. It's the story of us being lost and sinners and God coming down to save us. So uh, what, what word has God given to us? The word that we've all received is we're all sinners and we've all fallen short of God's glory. Uh, I'm, I'm not righteous. There's nothing good in me uh, of myself. Everything, everything that uh, I am is because of Christ. So uh, we, we've all fallen short of God's standards. Uh, how does he ask that to play? How does he ask us to play that out in obedience? Um, he asked that we place our faith in him and his death on the cross, understanding that we need to deal just that harshly with our own sin. Um, sin is a serious thing. It's something that we all know and we all understand. And uh, we, we know that it's, uh, that what its consequences are. They're hell. You know, we, we deserve death for that. And um, I think that it's really cool that Christ uh, deals with sin. He deals with it in such a serious way that uh, it, it, it just uh, calls for that obedience that we deal with it just as harshly. Um, so I think that's what Christ calls us to do. We also need to respond uh, just based upon con- on conviction. After you have been born again, you're going to be asked to do things just uh, by by people, by the Holy Spirit. I was asked to preach. I'm still really nervous. But, you know, I, you need to be obedient to what God calls you to do. Um, so... Okay. Um, what are the rewards given? Righteousness. That's the one we're going to talk about. That is an awesome reward. It's the only way we can be seen clean by God. Um, and, and I think that's why it ties in so beautifully to this passage. Uh, let, me, let me pull back up verse 6 here from the first. Um, it says that uh, without faith, I know what it says, but I need to find it so I don't mess it up. Um, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Um, So without faith, it is impossible to please God. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that there is a God and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Our reward for those who sincerely seek him, that's righteousness. Righteousness is a right standing with God. And that is the only reason we can, that, that faith can please God because it's the only thing that ignites righteousness in us. And that's the only reason God, like, that's the only reason faith is the only thing. Because it's, uh, it's by his righteousness that he can even bear to be around us. Um, so I think that's, that's a really cool point. Um, righteousness, uh, it's right standing with God. That's what we seek to do to please our Father. Um, so the God of the universe can see us all as clean, not by what we've done, but what Christ accomplished when he said it is finished. So um, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that there is a God and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the awesome gift of righteousness. And that's, that's a great thing, God, that, that we, we are sinners and, and you, can, uh, you can do a great work in us, God, and make us clean. And it's not by what we do, God, but it's by your generosity and your love and your compassion for us, God. That's a beautiful truth. Um, I just pray that you, you help us uh, to be obedient to you, God. We want to please you. Uh, we want to be responsive when you tell us uh, what to do, Father. So I pray that you just, uh, just do that in all of our hearts, God. Give us obedient hearts. Uh, let us respond to your word. And uh, just let us rejoice in the rewards that you choose to give. In your name we pray. Amen.